step into the world of power, loyalty, and luck. I'm gonna make him an offer he can't refuse. With family, cannolis, and spins mean everything. Now, you wanna get mixed up in the family business. Introducing The Godfather at ChompaCasino.com. Test your luck in the shadowy world of The Godfather slot. Someday, I will call upon you to do a service for me. Play The Godfather, now at ChampaCasino.com. Welcome to the family. VGW Group, no purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. See terms and conditions, 18 plus. This that rebel music. This that rebel music. This is Land Sharks After Dark, a podcast about the Old Miss Rebels. I'm your host, Justin Sanders. I'm uh, going to be talking today with my co-host, John Stefanzik. John, what's up, man? How you doing? I'm doing well. And the uh, weekly snow update here in Boston is I think we're getting three to five inches tonight. We are uh, 5.8 inches, I think, from the all-time record measured at Logan Airport. So might be on the precipice of history here. But well, you know, this like you picked up. Uh, a good time to get to Boston then. <laughs> yeah, I was going to say, it's March 1st, and, like, I realized that, that, like, today, the daylight savings time is coming up, and there's, like, four-foot yeah. snow banks everywhere, and, it's th- and, like, I think it's supposed to get to, like, 45 degrees one day this week, and it's, like, that's a warm streak, and, and so this whole, this is, it's, it's right. been an interesting experience thus far, but regardless, but, yeah, well, yeah. I'm glad you're making it, I'm glad you're still with us, glad you're still around to watch, uh, on the sports, or I know you had a busy week, maybe not so much, but like we talked about before this, you maybe didn't miss too much this week in Ole Miss sports. Kind of um, a disappointing week for the baseball and basketball teams uh, in action this week. Um, some tough losses on the hardwood and the diamond. Um, the men basketball team fell at home to Georgia on Wednesday and uh, traveled to Baton Rouge yesterday and lost there in the Pete Maravich Assembly Center. Um, two teams that had beaten Ole Miss earlier in the season, and uh, it's kind of a, seemed like they had Ole Miss's number again. Uh, the, the games were a little different. The Georgia game was a little bit closer. Um, Georgia kind of wanted that win more, but the, the LSU loss was just pretty dominating uh, on the part of LSU and their uh, their big men down low, who just completely took over the game as they did last time we played them. So that's what happened in basketball. Uh, we're going to touch on baseball. They played some games this week as well later in the podcast. But uh, we'll we'll start with basketball. Um, two losses late in the season doesn't necessarily mean uh, Ole Miss's postseason hopes are totally dashed or anything like that. Don't want to be that, that dramatic, but it definitely doesn't help moves Ole Miss a lot closer back onto the bubble. Um, what do you have to say about this week, John? Yeah, I saw p- uh, part of the second half against Georgia, basically the last ten minutes, and I saw more or less the last two minutes against LSU and what. What I saw was Moody's the primary offensive option. Other teams are now know he, know he is. They're game planning. They're double teaming him. And they're basically saying somebody else beat us. And logically, on paper, you would say, well, this is where Jarvis needs to step in and score. But we we I mean we mentioned it for a while now. He it's a, you know can can Jarvis pick his game up is the real question for this team. And the the answer's been no. And it it really showed as a you know, that. When you look at the box score here uh, in the LSU game in particular, he played 34 minutes against Georgia. And Jarvis played only 19 against LSU. Terrence Smith had more minutes. So, like I said, I didn't see all of the game. I'm guessing Terrence ran the point as much as Jarvis did. 
it wasn't foul trouble. And Jarvis only had two fouls against LSU, but it, he was, but the LSU stat line is bad. 19 minutes, one for seven from the field, four points, which is from a senior guard that was uh, all SEC by some uh, preseason and, and uh, like more than one preseason prediction. This has really been this is a, I mean this is a void the team hasn't been able to fill. And also we about a month ago you saw Anthony Perez and Snoop White giving. Uh, Stepping in and filling the role as third score. Neither one of them's really had a, had a good game in the past three or four uh, contests. So it's essentially there's no legit offensive option behind Moody at this point. Which they have a team full or a roster full of guys with a lot of role players and pieces. But at some point they got they got to find a way to score. And if Moody doesn't go out there and hang thirty efficiently, then they're in real trouble. Yeah, no, no doubt about that. Um, going, going off what you said, it's kind of been a, a tale of two teams um, this season. Uh, you know, not that long ago, during that, that six-game winning streak, it seemed like Ole Miss had uh, maybe too many scores. We were talking about trying to get minutes everybody and uh, you know getting everybody on the court as much as we could. But and now everyone's kind of standing around watching Stephon Moody, as you said. It seemed kind of earlier this season maybe Moody's great play was opening up opportunities for other players. Uh, they were taking advantage of that and uh, taking the shots when they got up. And, and now they seem a little more uh, hesitant and kind of just watching and uh, watching what Booty's going to do. That's definitely hurt the team because, uh, like you talked about earlier when we were watching these games, uh, your top scorer, when he's five foot nine, teams can kind of scheme around that and, and really, you know, really make it difficult for him to get any kind of open looks when no one else is, is producing offensively. So that's something the Rebels are going to have to figure out all uh, these final two games of the season. Um, not necessarily the toughest games one that's scheduled, but two absolutely must-win games at this point. Um, now that they have lost these uh, two in a row here, they go on the road to Alabama uh, Tuesday night at 6, uh, and they finish the, the regular season Saturday at home uh, against the Vanderbilt team that's been looking pretty good lately, um, won a lot of games recently. So, they're going to be games that are not going to be easy, just you know, easy victories to get, but they're victories that Ole is going to have to get. Um, and we're going to have to see a lot more production out of other players than just Stephon Moody. And I think that is guards, like we said, but we, we need the big men to kind of be playing well into the earlier in the season, too. I mean, you saw the pick-and-pop game with uh, MJ Rhett, Dwight Colby, Sebastian Saiz, really accounting for a lot of points earlier in the season. And it's been a lot quieter in the, in the last week or two weeks, so... That's another thing to look for. Um, Ole Miss has kind of played itself out of what was essentially a potential second-place berth with Arkansas and the SEC behind Kentucky. Um, they fall into a, a three-way tie with for fourth place, uh, tied with LSU and Georgia, and obviously they do not have tiebreakers of either of those teams. Um, Texas A&M is in third place at 11-5. and five. Arkansas, second place at 12-4. and four. Obviously, Kentucky's in first place. So uh, as of right now, Ole Miss is out of the double bye in the SEC tournament, which means that uh, they'd have to play well, on Thursday. Is that right, John? Yeah, I think so. Yeah, so that's something that we looked, we felt pretty comfortable about uh, when Ole Miss was tied for second just a couple weeks ago. But now looking a lot more uh, difficult to achieve. I'm not sure about the, the upcoming schedules for some of these teams, John. Uh Texas A&M, have, they have to go to Florida on Tuesday, and they host Alabama at home. Um, that game at Florida could, I guess, maybe give them some problems. 
Uh, I doubt Arkansas is going to lose any more. Same with LSU and Georgia. So that's something to watch for. Uh, yeah, I got Georgia ahead of Ole Miss. Georgia is hosting Kentucky, so that I'm going to call that a loss. Okay. And then two Auburn yeah, that give them a win. So, so I guess Ole Miss, back up with Ole Miss this week. They go to Alabama. Their RPI is 82nd. And they host Vanderbilt 96. Um, we can talk about bracketology here a little more extensively in a second. But right now, Jerry Palm of CBSSports.com has Ole Miss as a nine seed. So they are in the tournament. But right. given the RPIs of the remaining uh, competition, they lose either one of those games. If they, if they go one-on-one this week, they are the definition of a bubble team, period. Correct. I mean, they're, you're essentially flipping a coin at that, at that point. If they go 2-0 and this week, they should feel good. They're in the tournament. Probably win one game in Nashville, and you and you feel you can say to yourself, "We're in the tournament." Um, if you went two and zero this week and lost your opening game in Nashville, I guess it depends on what your seating is. It's to a quality team, you're probably okay. If you're end up being the five or the six, and you, I guess the five would pl- play the twelve, right? So if you lose, like right. You know, right now, the right now the twelve is Mississippi State. So if they <laughs> stepped on their toe and lost a game like that, it would be really be quite mm-hmm. a mess. But uh, Regardless, so I mean, it's really simple at this point. Ole Miss goes two and zero this week, wins the game in Nashville. They're a tournament team, no questions asked. They go two and zero this week. Well, they go two and zero this week. They're probably in the tournament, regardless, barring some kind of barring a really ugly loss in Nashville. But yeah, I agree. I agree. I think the the, the path's really clear. We'll we'll see if they can kind of recover and get it together between Jarvis. Uh, Snoop and Perez, two out of three of those guys, and step up and be scoring options in addition to Moody. Period. Right. I mean, that's that's what it comes down to. It's kind of I was I was watching the L, the parts of the LSU game that I was able to catch. The thing that stood out to me was it was Moody and, and just a bunch of dudes standing around. And it kind of seems like that's it's a little, been a little bit of a pattern the past three years. I know the the prior to the 2013 team getting hot and going on a run and winning the SEC tournament, they had those two bad losses against the South Carolina and Mississippi State. And that that team when it was at its lowest point was essentially Marshall Henderson running around, jacking up a bunch of threes inefficiently, and there's no 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 other effort for not not effort, but no other synchronization or really no flow to the offense. And then last year's team started was at seven and three at one point conference play before hitting a lull. And then this year they start off slow, the new group coming together, they get to a, a it gets a ten and four, a seven, a seven, potentially sixteen by all accounts, and then we see kind of the, the same pattern. I don't know if it's tension or nervousness or maybe it seems like it seems like there's a point where the the AK's teams kind of, I mean, for lack of a better term, stall out as, for for a certain uh, at a certain point near the end of the year. He's always mm-hmm. knock on him's always been can't win that one game to get the tournament at the end of the year. I wonder. If it and it's happened over different uh, groups of players now, and I'm and before anybody says that, I'm, I mean I'm complaining about AK. Period. Andy Andy Kennedy's the best coach they can get. I don't think they can go hire anybody better than him. Mm-hmm. Excellent X's and O's tactician. And the, the criticism's always been, well, just as effective as could be in recruiting. Well, look at the building he has to recruit to, and that problem is getting. Uh, Situated, but I, I mean, it, I wonder if it's just like I wonder if there's a small mental, just a general uh, change in the mental approach to this. That could, in general, I mean, this is kind of I'm, I've gone from the old term situation to kind of Andy Kennedy's 
trends over his nine years at Ole Miss. But I think if this it seems like this team just needs to take a chill pill, for lack of a better term, just go out there and execute, or instead of be tight, stand around and wait for somebody else to make a play. I guess I don't know. Do you, do you have any thoughts on that observation, Justin, or what you think, or what you take away? Yeah, from no, that? I mean, I, I agree. They have to they have to relax. They have to play if they have you know earlier in the year. Um, you know, I want to say these are games they should win down the stretch here, although Vanderbilt does kind of scare me. They've been playing lately, but um, Ole Miss would have beaten these teams earlier in the year when they were playing a lot better. So I, I think they just have to relax and follow the game plan. Um, and, and they're going to be in the tournament as long as they don't do something terrible, uh, make some kind of mistake. But, um, yeah, no, I think you nailed it, man. I think that's always been the knock on Andy, and it's hard to say that it's really just him because there are so many other factors going into all this basketball. He's really overachieved uh, compared to any predecessor he's had um, as a basketball coach at Ole Miss. So it's hard to it's hard to knock him, but still it can be frustrating as such a perennial bubble dweller that's kind of become Andy Kennedy's permanent place in life. So, uh, you know, you got to hope this is the, the year where he kind of puts that to bed with the second tournament appearance in three years and kind of solidifies the fact that he's not just a bubbly coach and, and he can get the team there. But we'll see. We'll see what happens down the stretch. Um, yeah. It's, one more, it's been a one fun more real, Go ahead. One more real, real quick for you. LSU, their remaining schedule, home yeah, against right. Tennessee, I'll call that a win. Right. They go to Arkansas, play them at Bud Walt to end the season. So Arkansas wins at home against the – LSU, and then you, Kentucky beats Georgia. If Ole Miss, if Ole Miss does what they're supposed to do. Here's the bottom line with Ole Miss. If they're an NCAA tournament team and deserve to be in the tournament, they should go to it this week, period. I mean, it's really kind of a – it really brings clarity to the situation. If they if they do it they, – if they win the games they're supposed to win and they deserve to be a tournament team, they'll be in the tournament. If they screw it mm-hmm. up, then they screw it up. But what this does is they're in the three-way tie for – fourth right now. Let's say Ole Miss takes care of business, wins the two games, puts them at 12 and 6. Uh, LSU loses to Arkey. Georgia loses to Kentucky. Uh, they're both right. they're both at um, 11 and 7. Ole Miss is the 4 seed, potentially the 3 because A&M, they maybe end up tied with A&M and they would have a tiebreaker over the Aggies. So that would put them, if that, ha- that plays out, they're either the 3 or the 4 in Nashville. They would, wouldn't play till Friday. Um, and they would Essentially, they would be in the tournament at that point, more, unless they had the, unless there was an upset and they lost to a really, real low RPI mm-hmm. team on Friday. But that would be unlikely, given that team would have played the night before where you come in on fresh legs. So, really, is I mean, as disappointing of a week as this has been, it brings clarity for Ole Miss. Like I said, Jerry Palm has them as a nine seed right now, um, traveling to Charlotte to play Ohio State, and then Duke is the one seed in that bracket. So. But at this point, you can't talk about matchups or who you get drawn against. At this point, it's just simply a uh, it's simply a matter of getting in the tournament to kind of see where uh, the rest of the SEC is going. According to Palm, they have, he has A and M in a playing game against Boise State, hmm. Kentucky, the number one overall seed. They would be playing their first round games in Louisville, which would be a really nice home court and also be really make I guess if you're in Louisville under quite. Active. You're quite annoyed with that, but regardless, they have Arkansas. He has Arkansas as a four seed, traveling all the way to Florida, wow. enough, which would be they would play Toledo, and then Wichita State is the five, and then uh, Ole Miss's favorite NCAA team, Valparaiso, is twelve. In this uh, in this bracket, <laughs> let's yeah. see who else. LSU is an eight. 
traveling to Pittsburgh in the western bracket with Villanova being the one there, which I I don't know anything about Villanova. I guess they're good this year, apparently. Well, apparently, that's the first I heard of that. So is Georgia in this bracket? Maybe I'm missing it. Maybe the, I think the SEC is going to get five or five or well four to six teams, depending on how who takes care of business coming down the stretch. Georgia's a nine right. seed traveling to Charlotte as well, but they're in the they're in the eastern bracket. Um, play VCU. Virginia's the one seed it's there to uh, open things up. So that's interesting. Both the, the Duke and Virginia are both one seeds in this bracket playing their opening games in Charlotte. So NCAA probably get their ticket money out of that situation. Yeah, I think that'll that'll sell for sure. No doubt about that. So, yeah, that's what to watch for in the last week of Ole Miss basketball. Uh, hopefully we'll be talking about March Madness um, in another couple of weeks from now. So we'll keep an eye on that. Um, moving across to a different sport, um, an interesting week for Ole Miss in baseball. Uh, got a win in the midweek against Arkansas State. Uh, and then went on went on the road for a uh, an interesting series, definitely. Uh, against a, a very good Central Florida team, uh, ranked as high as 15 in some polls. Um, the Rebels played them in Orlando. Lost uh, a tough game Friday night, 5-4. Um, games were delayed Saturday due to weather. There was a doubleheader starting this morning at 8 a.m. Um, I felt like a soccer fan, I was saying last night, having to wake up in the morning to watch my sports. Uh, that was a seven-inning game that Ole Miss lost once again by one run. I think that one was 3-2. Uh, yeah. And then they, Ole Miss won the, the third game of the series to kind of salvage something from the weekend. It was actually UCF's first loss in the season, so they were undefeated uh, until Ole Miss won the second game today uh, by a score of 4-3, to three, I believe, a ninth-inning win for Ole Miss. Yeah. So UCF is definitely a great team. They returned all nine seniors uh, defensively this year, and um, they've already gotten some good wins against, you know, I think Arkansas, Maryland, some other teams like that. So nothing to be ashamed about losing those one-run games, although obviously uh, you're disappointed when something happens like on Friday night when you have a, a four-run lead uh, in the sixth inning and you're not able to, to pitch through that with your best arms on a Friday and get that W. That's uh, that's something you have to ask, you know, a question about your offense. Are you, are you really getting the most out of your lineup? So, what do you think, John? I don't know if you got a chance to watch any baseball, but surely you, you looked over some of the, the recaps, the stats, and all that kind of stuff. But what did you see in Orlando that, that you think we can take moving forward? Well, the I mean, this team, and I, I think I've, those who listened to us talk about baseball before, I'm I'm taking the very patient approach to it, given how many new pieces they have, how young they are. And the way the schedule lays out, really the last four conference series getting all the way up into April and May is really their opportunity to make to, to make a run. So regardless, there's a – to me, I, I'm not – I mean, you don't want to lose too many games, but their their record is not my number one concern at this point. So for just kind of from the weekend as a whole, the positive, starting pitching was good. Um, Trent was solid. He was, was solid, got into the uh, – Got in the eighth inning, I believe. He did give up a let's see, I'm get the right box score up here. He did give up a couple runs in the eighth. And blowing a four nothing uh, lead in the sixth he had a four nothing lead in the sixth inning on Friday night and then blew the game, which given that you have Trent on the mound and then um Weathersby and Stokes and Short in the bullpen is disappointing. But I mean that, that's gonna happen. That's gonna happen uh 
now and then. The disappointment, I also just want to lose a game where UCF commits three errors and then only getting five hits. Mm-hmm. You could argue they were efficient on offense getting four runs out of five hits, but you could also argue they're inefficient from a hitting standpoint. So, um, right. And then Saturday, I think I think Bramlett threw the ball pretty well. I understand he gave up a homer in the fourth inning, which is wouldn't which is magnified given the fact that it's a seven seven inning game and then there's really uh, right. too much time to recover. It's, it's really interesting how just taking two innings off really changes the way the game is played. Essentially, makes, that makes the fifth inning the seventh inning essentially. And then you were you're running guys out of the bullpen and doing the whole matchup scenario. Um, Kyle Watson played leadoff on both games, mm-hmm. leadoff hitter on um, both games sun, uh, today, Sunday. And first game went one for one, drew two walks, which, which is really, obviously, on base three times is very productive. I think he went over four in the second game. So, um, mm-hmm. Mike, trying to get the lineup sorted out. There's a shortage of quality at bats at this point. Um Watson has the he has the talent and potential to really contribute to this team, but being a freshman, it's just that the whole consistency factor is what they're um, looking toward. Like Holt, no doubt. As far as I, did Holt DH both games today? Yeah, because he, he had a good day at the plate. I'm not um, sure if he game. did. I, I know DH the second game. Let's see. First one here, he he, he was a DH, went one for two. I mean, that's, that's a solid from a box score perspective. And two for three in the second game. So Holt. That's a good day. That's thinking good. Lartigue DH the first game went one for five, had an RBI. Um, I think it would be interesting to see how this unfolds. And, uh, Wayne House had a leadoff single pinch hitting in the top of the ninth in the, in the second game today to uh, begin the rally for, for the go-ahead uh, eventual game-winning run. So it's interesting to see if Wayne House gets more to appearances in the lineup because there's, there's not exactly a huge group of players you know, ripping the same off the of baseball mm-hmm. at this point. Yeah, that, that Wayne House hit was interesting. I mean, it came at a huge time um, with, with two strikes, and uh, top of the ninth inning, almost really needed a run. But uh, he came through big there. Like you said, Kilby Kimber, Holt, Prince, uh, still trying to figure out the leadoff spot. Um, I think someone you've got to give some thought to in that leadoff spot is uh, Cameron Deshaun, not someone that we expected to, to see kind of looking too great offensively, but he's been surprisingly solid this year. And as far as base running goes, I mean, there, there's no one better on the team. He was our pinch runner all last year in big situations. Uh, I think he's six for seven, maybe six for eight so far on the year in steals. Um, very solid runner. He, he gets on base a lot through walks and stuff like that. So another option to perhaps consider. I don't know if it would ever really happen, but from my perspective, it seems like it could be a good fit. Um, Sykes Orvis struggled a little bit this weekend in the first two games. I think he was 0 for 6, 0 for 7, uh, but he did get a big home run uh, in the third game, which was obviously important in a 4-3 win. Uh, Kobe Bortles also had a solo home run in that game. Um, home runs that were, were nice, but also a little bittersweet because you would have liked to see some more people on base ahead of them. Um, really not getting enough good quality at bats on offense. A lot of strikeouts, um, and they're and they're coming at, at times, and you really don't need strikeouts. There were several times in the game today where I just thought, you know, why don't we just bunt here? And for some reason, we're swinging away. I, I don't know what happened to Bianco Ball, but I miss the days when we used to bunt guys over more frequently, especially if we're going to be playing all these one-run games. I'd just assume when you have one out or no out that you, you go up and bunt it, but. Maybe that's just me watching too many of these close games and, and getting tired of it. But um, I don't know. 
Yeah, it's interesting. I mean, these. I mean, I mean, one way to look at it is they went and played a ranked team on the road and lost two one-run games and won the game by a run. So effectively, you could argue they played pretty even. And then, I mean, the first game. I mean, ha- having Trent Stokes and Short give up five runs like that is really is unusual. So you can. The, the key is though is can the offense get get consistent enough to where it's not on the pitching staff's shoulders every inning to go out there and deliver. Because at some point you get middle, gain middle fatigue from just having to pit, have tight games and pressure innings, which is going to be part of the SEC. But it's a but it's a matter of kind of trying to stay fresh going forward. And then you mentioned Sykes. I mean, it's it's like this. I mean, I mean Sykes is. I mean on. On the lineup card, he's in a similar spot. He's batting the three hole. I think last year he's batting the five most of the year. But his, he is now the he's the guy in the lineup now. Or last year, I mean, you had had Braxton leading off, who's a excellent leadoff hitter, very very underrated defensive outfielder as well. But but from a pure offense perspective, had Braxton's excellent leadoff guy. Mossfield is one of the best hitters on the team, arguably. Just an all-around ability to put the ball in a different places standpoint. Anderson is looked at as a three-hole, and then Will Allen was the, was the cog in the lineup. So really, with those four guys ahead of them, I mean, and Woodman batting in the six-hole. I mean, right. Sykes was kind of he. I mean, he was. I mean, he obviously with the with the with the real power bat. I mean, he was kind of the bonus of that lineup, if you will. That, that took that. Took them from being really good to to just to dangerously explosive. But you had enough. Right. You had the, those other five guys around him that could step up. That it could you know explode and then go three for four with you know three or four RBIs in really any time. But now there's a lot fewer of those guys. I mean, we've seen Errol, Errol Robinson's going from somewhere between the seven and the nine hole to the two hole this year going through an adjustment process. Um, ideally, you'd put Woodman in the three hole, but how, you know they need a leadoff guy. Which if Kyle Watson can morph into you know a serviceable or a solid leadoff hitter, that would help. And then uh, Colby Bortles is instead of, instead of Will Allen protecting him, he's Colby Bortles. Who Colby has the ta- all the talent, but it's just a matter of experience and discipline of the plate. He doesn't. I mean, pitch, pitchers, the guys throwing the Bortles are aware he can knock it out of the park, but. He doesn't. He does not scare them the way Will Allen did. Uh, scared pitchers last sure. year. So yeah. it's that. That I mean, this really. I mean, that's what I keep coming back. Everybody on this team has to adjust to kind of a whole different set of circumstances. Because Sykes goes from the guy go up there and take. You know, he's got a couple guys on base that he, which then he knows they're going to throw. They, they got to pitch to him, and he can jack one out of the park. Where now he's got to work the count. They can kind of pitch around them because they'd rather go after either Errol or uh, Errol in front of them. So, um, really, Bortles, Bortles behind him doesn't scare him as much as uh, as having two or three, you know, a couple guys on and then Woodman, Woodman winning on deck. So, that's the real, I mean, that, that that's the interesting part of this to watch unfold. It's, it's really, I mean, Sykes adjusting to his the way he's getting pitched to this year is every bit as important as, t- say, Tate Blackman settling down and being productive from second base. Which he has been, yeah. Tate Blackman's looking really good ever since getting his first hit last weekend. So he's definitely going to live up to the hype, we think. Uh, looking ahead, Ole Miss 6-4 uh, and four right now. Could realistically um, finish, finish the non-conference with six or seven losses, John, looking uh, – 
travel next to Southern Miss. I think that's on Wednesday. Uh, well, that's a I, loss I think already, that's probably right? a loss. Yeah, that's, that's got loss written all over it. Uh, Southern Miss really gets up for Ole Miss. There's no doubt in my mind they're going to throw their best arms at Ole Miss, even though it's a midweek game. Uh, and it's a game where Ole Miss is going to be starting um, Anderson, I'm sure, uh, and not really going to be willing to to really get up at the same to the same level as Southern Miss is. So you lose that one, you come back home for a weekend series against Stetson, which hopefully Ole Miss should get its first sleep of the season against the Mad Hatters of Stetson. But uh, I guess you could lose one of those. But then after that, you get two games at Louisville. So I think a, a split of those games would be success for the Rebels. So you're looking at um, at, at least six losses in the scenarios we just talked about there. Uh, and then you go to Baton Rouge to open the conference season. So not an easy stretch at all left for the Rebels in the non-conference. Um, but they're going to they're gonna have to just keep fighting through it. And uh, they're not going to get any breaks when they get to the SEC schedule either. So a lot of baseball coming up to watch, and we're going to learn a lot about this team in the next few weeks. Um, I don't know. I don't know about that game at Southern, John. I guess probably going to have to listen on the radio or something. I don't know if they have. TV or anything like that in Hattiesburg. I've never, I've never been, obviously. Yeah, that'll be interesting to see how that works. Um, out. I'm I watched, at, this, I'm this weekend, I watched the games on the uh, the UCS stream on their sports site, which that reminds me to get canceled that subscription right now before they bill me next month. Uh, but it was literally one webcam in the press box uh, behind the <laughs> net, so the whole game you got to watch it with the grid of the net on it. And uh, they would kind of swivel the camera and try to find the ball, but usually they would look at the wrong outfielder. So it was a it was a fun uh, way to watch the games this weekend. Sorry, what were you going to say? I would say even like conference play is really going to be brutal start off. I mean, they they go to LSU, which is a top ten team. They then they turn around and host Florida, who's number two in the country right now. And I was trying to see if Arkansas was ranked or where they were projected to be, which I don't see them hot. All right, but they traveled. Um, I believe that they go to Fayetteville, yep. So they they have yeah. a they have a pre, they have a brutal month, like you said. I mean, at Southern, which I mean, they could win that game, but we, I mean, it's been Mike Bianco and uh, the whole Southern Miss, Memphis, Mississippi State midweek thing. Been a pet peeve of all the Bianco haters for, for uh, years now, and then they they really need to sweep steps at home, get three wins on my resume, because I would, I mean. A, a realistically, a fair scenario is to split the Louisville in the midweek and then go get one at LSU. I mean, it'd be be hard to expect to get two, mm-hmm. although it's possible. I mean, I would. Trent's going to be fired up to walk into Baton Rouge and shut him down. But oh, yeah. regardless, um, if they can just get a game in Baton Rouge, they'd be fine. And then you would guess going even stretching out of the further, hopefully take care of Pine Bluff in the midweek and then host three post Florida series and it'd be really nice if they could find two out of three against the Gators. They could be uh, three and three to start the year, but I mean that's two top ten teams that they could I mean I mean they could they could they could be one and five after that in conference first two series of conference play and, and play okay and still be in that spot. So that's really a uh, they've got They've got to find a way to get off to a good start here, and I think I mean we're 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 seeing that they're close in a lot of areas, but but they need to take that step forward. It'd be I mean it'd be a really good week to go take care of business at Hattiesburg for a change, and then just come and take and dominate steps and really get some confidence going before they uh, travel the week of spring break and really get going really get going to the meet schedule. Yeah, no doubt. I mean, if if Ole Miss can, can get rolling, can get the win at Southern Miss. 
uh, and then roll three sets in and finish strong in non-conference. It, it sets up to me, takes some momentum into bad news, but it's going to be good. going to be good to watch. We'll keep watching that, obviously. Um, uh, next week, I think, on the podcast, we're going to have a, a special guest on to talk about spring football, which is starting very soon. John, do you tell me that that press conference kicked that off is on Tuesday? Is that right? I believe so. All right, so, yeah, we're basically back to football season. No, I'm just kidding. We're absolutely not back hey, to football Chad season. Hey, Chad Kelly watch. That's going to be some good podcast yes. material. Yes, get ready for um, lots of vines of Chad Kelly throwing at practice and all kinds of stuff like that. It should be uh, an exciting offseason. Um, Storylines are going to follow, obviously, the quarterback battle, um, offensive line, woes, candle miss, find a way to protect uh, whoever is behind center next year better than it did this year. Yeah, um, running back, too, with all the with the transfers sure. and the need to establish a consistent running. And we're just to give – I mean, heads up, everybody. We're going to talk about uh, how are we going to run the football a lot next week. So <laughs> It's a pretty important topic. question. It's something Ole Miss needs to figure out. Uh, not a professional over here, but I watched enough football last season to know that not running the football is not good for winning games. So uh, that's something we're going to work on this offseason as well. But look forward to that next week. Um, we'll try to bring you some more interesting info, try to ask some good questions for our guests uh, to, to get the skew for you guys. Um, do you have anything else you want to talk about this week, John? I think that's it. We should be um, – yeah, spring football will be interesting to think about. There's a, there's a lot of storylines behind that. We've got the high points on offense. There's also, I mean, defense. they got to replace Pruitt and Cinquez. I think they have the, people, the personnel to – be as good or potentially better athletically in some regards that that from that standpoint. But that'll be interesting as well as what what in the world are they going to do at linebacker? Well, they have options at linebacker. Um, I think they were really banking on Leo Lewis stepping in. Well, not for spring, but for fall stepping in. So they're, there's more uh, – it's more important for uh, Christian Russell, for example, to really step in there and be a, uh, be a solid – dependable force there, middle linebacker. Him and Tamario Strong, those are going to be two important guys to watch. Right, no doubt about that. So, that's how it is, guys. Um, this week, you got Ole Miss at Alabama on Tuesday in basketball, Ole Miss at Southern Miss on Wednesday in baseball. Thanks for listening to Land Sharks After Dark. If you follow us on Twitter, we'd really appreciate that. At Sharks A-F-T-R Dark. You can visit our website, LandSharksAfterDark.com. You can email us, find us on Facebook, subscribe on iTunes. Guys, there's so many ways you can interact with us online. So just take advantage of those. Uh, you're not going to regret it, I promise. Uh, but really, guys, thanks for listening. We appreciate it. And uh, we'll talk to you again next week.
With Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.